it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome into Sports by Northwest, the weekly sports podcast from the Oregonian and Oregon Live. I am your host, Bill Oram, and my guest this week is a good one. You're going to want to listen in to Ari Wasserman from The Athletic. He's a national college football reporter who really has his hands on the pulse of what's happening on a national level across college football. And he had a piece this week about the Ducks, the Oregon Ducks, and their chance in the college football playoff, the, the chance of reaching the college football playoff. And it may not be a popular view uh, among Duck fans, but I thought it was important to have him on because we were able to sort of detach the emotion of Oregon's case to make the playoff from um, kind of the reality that they face of trying to jump teams that are ahead of them. They were sixth coming into this week, um, but they are dragged down by that Georgia loss back in week one. So it was a really good conversation. My thanks to Ari for taking the time to join us. And so without further ado, Ari Wasserman. All right, now joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, um, we're going to get right to this because your 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 piece in The Athletic this week is um, is very relevant to what we've been talking about up here in the Northwest. Uh, the title of this is Oregon's Dominance and Why That's an Issue for the Pac-12 in the Playoff Race. And you just lay out the case here that Oregon is not um, very well positioned to crack the, the, the CFP, essentially believe that the Georgia loss um, outweighs basically anything else they can do this year. Do you want to just go ahead and talk me through the thesis of, wh- of what you wrote here and then we can sort of break it down? Yeah, I mean, if you've looked at the... Let me start by saying that each college football playoff committee is consisted of different people and precedent and things that have happened in the past don't always pertain to what's happening in the future in the future now um, or that I believe that Oregon can't make it because that's not the case here. Okay, I think it's certainly possible that they do make it. My point is that if you give hypothetical three different teams, hypothetical conference championships in the Pac-12. That'd be the the as one loss teams. That'd be Oregon, USC, and UCLA. The only three teams where that's a possible mm-hmm. outcome. That at the end of the road for the Pac-12, that Oregon's as a one loss conference champion would be the worst because their loss consists of a was it forty nine to three loss to mm-hmm. to Georgia in a game where people were making running clock jokes. You know, they were not competitive. Pro- probably now, me, by the way. And, and and the thing about it too is that like. I believe that Oregon is the best team in the conference, which is the worst part about this. And it is kind of a bad luck thing. And I'm assuming that we're going to get into some sort of discussion about why you don't schedule that game or whatever. I'm sure that's been the talk of the Northeast. But the fact of the matter is, is that life isn't fair. And that's what, what's actually happening. So at the end of the road, if USC beats UCLA along the way and then beats Oregon, 
or UCLA beats USC and then beats Oregon avenges their loss. And those two teams are standing there at the end of the, at the season as a two, as a one loss champion, that those resumes I think would be viewed more favorably by the committee than Oregon's um, as a one loss conference champion, because the, the kiss of death in this system has always been blowout losses, especially when a blowout loss is occurring to one of the teams that's also going to be in it. So that to me is the, is the basic premise. Um, the premise here is Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12, but unfortunately for Oregon, they scheduled a game that is going to hurt their resume more than their counterparts. You have a line in here that I really I thought was a great um, a great analogy, and okay. and you said that scheduling elite teams like Georgia is like doubling down on a hand of blackjack. You're happy when you win, but it feels twice as awful when the dealer spikes at 21. That's the gamble, and I, I think that that's pretty astute because you're you're essentially establishing that you know. This is the risk Oregon took by by playing this game. If you go beat Georgia or you play Georgia close, you are putting yourself right in the thick of things from the very beginning of the season. But they've had to overcome, you know, this kind of stain. And I've used various metaphors in print to describe it. At one point, uh, you know, a stray hair on a plate of foie gras. Um, you know, with <laughs> a, but to to me, this is something that they've that they they can't change, right? And that, that and that's the and that's the problem. This is going to be with them. Um, all season. You can't undo that loss. You can't make that loss look any better. I suppose the one thing you can do it, it, it is happening is you get you get um, you get further removed from it and you replace it with with higher quality performances. The problem for Oregon is they really haven't played anybody yet. UCLA is the exception, and that was you know a very impressive outing, no question. Um, you know, BYU has not really held up their end of the deal, uh, you know, kind of with, with with their season. So that win loses a lot of luster, even though I think they're ranked number 12 when when Oregon beat them in Eugene. But otherwise, Oregon has played, you know, really the bottom half of the Pac-12. And that's what makes these next four weeks so... Because it's very impressive finish. It really is. And that's where I, I wonder if, 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 if maybe Oregon can sort of can sort of steal back the hearts of the committee when if, if they beat Washington avenge their two losses from last year to Utah in, you know, emphatic fashion, you know, take care of Oregon state, which I don't think is going to be an easy game for the ducks by any stretch. And then, um, and then, and then when the PAC 12 championship, and we're assuming that they're going to win out, which I mean, I don't which know which probably that they isn't going to happen. Let's be honest. Like they, they might at, lose one. And I look at like the rest of the, the teams that are ahead of them, and and you would know, and you're in Big Ten country, so you you know this better than I do. But you know, Ohio State and Michigan, you know, they play each other, but otherwise, you know, they're looking like you know, I, I don't see them losing um, to anybody else. So we're really talking about you know, Oregon being the favorite among one loss teams to get to four, right? Assuming there aren't, you know. Well, assuming you don't think they're being blocked by Tennessee, who played a true road game, and I get that your Oregon game was in Atlanta, so it was basically a road game. Yeah, but Tennessee played them closer. See, it's funny. It's funny because similar, but they also have LSU and Alabama wins on their roster, right, or on their resume. So, like that to me is the hardest thing to get over because even if they do win out and they win the Pac-12. There's a high likelihood that the fourth spot's going to be between them, the loser of the Ohio State Michigan game, and Tennessee. And I don't know how, like, I think I would give USC or UCLA better odds of getting in over those teams because they as lack the common team. opponent as a one loss team rather than the team that has a common opponent in a worse resume. 
uh, against a team that's from the SEC that automatically gets the benefit of the doubt in this unfair world. So here's the thing about college football that everybody should understand by now, but I'm going to explain it anyway. The, The thought process of the unknown is powerful. Like we know that or like we don't know for sure, but we think that Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12, right? Mm-hmm. But if USC or UCLA ends up beating Oregon and goes to the conference in these hypothetical finishes, we don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt that either of those two teams would get their butts kicked by Georgia because we haven't seen it. Now, that's the likely scenario of what we know about Georgia and what we know about the way that those teams are made up. But we know beyond the shadow of a doubt what happens when Georgia plays Oregon because we saw it. So when you see it, regardless of how far removed you are from it, I did the mock committee. I've been you know, around the people who are on the committee. Yeah. They will say, Oregon is very impressive. They have this stat. They've won this many games. And at the end of that, every single time, the people in that room will say, but. Okay? And that's a very yeah. powerful but. Now, with USC and UCLA, they don't have that major but. They have one loss. USC's losses on the road to Utah on an emotional night where they were honoring two mm-hmm. two players and it was a rocked house. That that was tough. And ironically enough, and this is the most bonkers thing about it, is losing to Oregon is more attractive to the committee the way that UCLA lost to Oregon than Oregon losing to to Georgia, which is it, it's like a galaxy brain way of looking at it, but that's yeah. the truth. So like I think that there is a path there. I think they need Tennessee to lose again. Which I mean, I'm looking. You look at it right now. I mean, who who among these final three teams can Tennessee lose to? They've got Missouri this weekend. Then they've got ten, then they've got South Carolina and then Vanderbilt. You know, where's 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 another loss on their schedule? You're probably not going to get there. Um, and I think that they need the Michigan Ohio State game to be lopsided because even if if Michigan were to win that game by five or Ohio State were to win that game by five, at least we know for sure that the loser of that game has not played a team in Georgia's mm-hmm. galaxy and lost by a hundred or whatever mm-hmm. it was. So like, to me, there has only been one team. I think, I think I wrote it in the column. Let me go look it up. But the only other team that's been blown out, um, I think was 34 to 10 in 2020 uh, Notre Dame to make the playoff. Mm-hmm. That was a 24 point loss is the most lopsided loss. A team has had endured on their resume and still made the playoff. And even that's not an apples to apples comparison because Notre Dame beat the team that beat them by 24 earlier in the season. So at least you have that that thought. Well, they already beat them once. So even though this most recent, uh, you know, performance happened, we've seen them beat them. Granted, uh, their quarterback was out of the first m- first matchup. So there, it's just a very hard position to get in. And I understand what everybody's going to say about, uh, you know, they played a road game. It was in Atlanta. It was the first game of the season. Dan Landing was was a new coach. I mean, I get it. That's all true. Teams evolve all the, all the Oregon talking points that you could put in the comments section. I'm aware of, I'm not learning that for the first time. What I am telling you is how it works and that's how it works. So, um, it's unfair. It's not right. I believe with you guys that Oregon is the best team in the country. Yeah. I'm just telling you, they have a challenge ahead of them and they need a lot, a lot, a lot of help to get into the playoff this year, in my opinion. I think you just said that you believe Oregon's the best team in the country, and I think you meant conference. So I'm just gonna, oh, in the uh, conference, they're not just, the best team in the country. <laughs> yeah, I was just thank you for I, saving me. Yeah, I just I just figured I'd save you from getting from getting clipped. Uh, on yeah, Elon, yeah, no, on yeah, Elon Musk's yeah. Twitter. Yes, on Elon Musk's new tw- Twitter. Yeah. Um. So I guess the the thing that does it factor in also that if Oregon were to slip in as as the as the fourth seed in the CFP. The committee would also be setting up the Oregon Georgia rematch, essentially. And we've, and we, um, 
you know, Bo Nix sort of hinted at, he thinks that they would, you know, that that would um, be a, you know, would have a different outcome this time around, but also that, um, you know, we, we do believe this Oregon team has evolved, that this is a different look Mm -hmm. than than they had back on September 2nd. You know, they found an identity. Dan Lanning has found his footing as a coach. Bo Nix is, you know, now in the Heisman race, which we should talk about in a minute, but does the idea of, essentially seeing that game again hurt Oregon also just because like you've said, it's a known commodity and we've seen it, or is there some, could there be some pull to create that rematch? Um, because Oregon has, has, has recovered so nicely from that weekend. Yeah. So here's the thing that I don't love about the idea that Oregon's better or has evolved. Mm-hmm. It takes away the idea that Georgia's is not also better, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's yeah. other Oregon's not the only team that's gelled gets better over the course of 12 weeks. Gets, yeah. yeah. Like everybody gets better over the course of 12 weeks, especially the teams that are, are equipped to be in the highest level. And the one thing I will right. tell you, Bill, and this is my personal opinion and anybody who has consumed any of my work over the course of the past three years since going to a national role knows that I am a very big talent person. I care a lot about who's on the team, how many yeah. draft picks are on the team, the profiles and the recruiting. And you watch the Tennessee game, right? There were dudes everywhere. Like Tennessee could not do anything because Georgia completely overmatched them at every position on the field. And if somebody got tired, they brought in another animal off the bench who came in and and, and is going to be a first round draft pick in 2026. Yeah. And that is the problem that I'm not sure gelling overcomes. You can, <laughs> you know, you know, we're, we're, we got our right. offense figured out. Our play calling's better. Yeah. Our, all this. Like, yeah, that's great. What are you going to do about Malachi Starks, who's yeah. a uh, five-star freshman who's already built like he's been in the NFL for four years, who's going to be the first-round pick? Are you going to beat him this time, or is the gelling not going to matter at all? So, <laughs> like, and I, and I understand that teams evolve. I covered a national championship team in 2014 every day that lost to Virginia Tech 28-14, to I believe, in the second week of the season, and then ran the table and beat the crap out of everybody in their wake, including the team we're talking about in the national championship game. So like, I do know that you're not always who you are at the beginning of the year. And I'm not doubting the fact that Georgia, I mean, that Oregon is better. What I am doubting is that over the course of a two month period, playing a bunch of teams that are overmatched when they play Oregon is much of a uh, selling point when the gap between Oregon and Georgia was so incredibly large. And, And the thing that you would have to overcome is just simple physical ability. And I'm not sure that's something that two months fixes. Yeah, and Malachi Sarks is a great example because he's the one who had that dynamic interception against Bo Nix in the first half. And and it's just like that guy was in high school six months ago, and like he's on the field. Like you can't coach that stuff, and Georgia just has them everywhere, and that's why they're good. And by the way, like is (laughs) there's probably it's you know Duck fans probably don't want to hear me say this, but it feels like a better outcome for the Ducks to go to the Rose Bowl in Dan Lanning's first year, play Ohio State or Michigan, yeah, maybe win a Rose Bowl in his first year. Um, and, and you're building as opposed to, you know, bookending your season by getting thrashed by, by Georgia. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and like, I, I don't always subscribe to that thought process. Cause I always think if you can be get, four get, quarters get, get away from the national yeah. championship, then yeah. I would take that over. But I also know too, that, um, in college football, there is something to the sales pitch. There is something to the building, especially as it pertains to, I mean, like Dan Lanning will get up in front of his, uh, of the podium right now and, he knows what Georgia is better than we do. Yeah. He was there. Like he knows. Yeah. And he knew what they were signing up for with, or he wasn't around, but he knew what the, the, the game was going to be when he went there. I mean, he coached those guys. So he uh, will be the first to tell you that Oregon has to recruit at a certain level in order to, to, you know, 
equip its roster in a similar way before it actually becomes a legitimate national championship contender. Because Bill uh, and the fans who are listening to this, you know for sure that if you had to pick one team in college football to go out and beat Georgia in December or early January and your life depended on it, you're not putting Oregon on the field with them. Mm-hmm. And the committee knows that. They do. They know it. And I'm not saying they can't find their way into the Final Four. This is a crazy sport. Things happen all the time. But we know definitively what Oregon is as it pertains to the actual favorite to win the national championship. And I think America and the committee would probably be more willing to roll the dice on somebody we don't know for certain would fare that bad and and see how it works out, even though the truth is that no matter who Georgia plays, whether it's uh, number three, um, random number three team or mm-hmm. random number six team, it's all going to probably turn out the same because Georgia – and, you know, is, is heads and shoulders above everybody else. And then you have Ohio State in there who's built the same way physically. So it uh, and it's a tough pill to swallow, too, because we all saw Oregon go to Ohio Stadium last year and mm-hmm. beat them. So, you know, that on the right day that a team can beat anybody. Um, but on that stage, when everybody is uh, amped up to the to the highest possible ampage, uh, there's going to be no sleepwalking, no lack of motivation. It's an indoor field where elements won't take a part of it. And you have a month to prepare. Like it's just a really hard proposition for anybody. Am I looking at this correctly, Ari, that TCU's only win over a ranked opponent was Kansas state? Uh, I think that's correct. Are they for sure in as an undefeated big, big 12 yes. champion? Because I don't think that, I just don't think that you can go undefeated in a power five and yeah. not get in. Okay. Unless there's ever a scenario where there's five undefeated Power Five conferences, but I don't know, or conference champions, but I don't know. You you can't like you're already trying to say that everybody has a shot. Yeah. And if they left them out, then what do you? How do you yeah. explain that? You know. Yeah. You you you've won the games. You've won the games. Plus, play. going in the I think if you go look at TCU's ending to their schedule too, it's very it's similar to Oregon's, um, in the sense that they they played uh, a pretty rough month here. I think last month. And then they have a really tough finish. So they had a they had a month of uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, all of whom were ranked at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was four games in a row. And now they're finishing with Baylor, uh, Texas, and Iowa State. Yeah. So that's a you know I think cumulatively that would be a, a, a nice enough resume to yeah. to walk in. But if they lose, they're out. Like yeah. th- that's the thing. And as a as a we compare. Does LSU and Alabama and Tennessee get the benefit of the doubt of the be- for being in the SEC? Hell yeah, they do. Yeah, but they play in a conference that everybody knows is much better, and that's kind of the the uh, the benefit of playing in it. So the, the the question at this point is: Is there could Oregon j- jump a? I'm going to give TCU a loss. I'm going to give TCU a loss to Texas yeah. in my mind right now. Okay. So does seven so point the, underdogs? I think that's fair. Okay. So they the question now is: Can Oregon jump? a one-loss Tennessee, or a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State? Because they need to jump one of those two. I don't think they're jumping Tennessee. I think they are blocked by Tennessee. I agree with you. Yeah. I think, I think, they, could, they, I think they could jump a one-loss Michigan because they would be conference champions. Oregon's resume would be better. Michigan would not have beaten anybody, and the one time they played a national championship contender, they got their butts kicked or lost. I think that you could make the case that Oregon should be four over them. I don't think that. I think that Oregon is blocked by Tennessee, and it would have to be a. Um, it would have to be a uh, a dynamic finish, right? Is because winning winning these last four games and and giving them the conference championship is not on its own enough, right? Like these need to be 
imp- the kinds um, of wins we've seen from Oregon against 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 uh, you know to date. Yeah, I mean, I guess if Oregon has to win every game, forty nine to ten, you know, I, I think that just doing it uh, would be enough, enough. because. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I the, the style points thing is very overrated, in my opinion. I think beating the crap out of somebody is good for you. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be the make or break. If you go beat Washington and Utah and then win an Oregon State game on the road and then, you know, have a comfortable win against USC in the, in the Pac-12 championship game, I think that accumulation of that, uh, the accumulation of those four wins all in a row would basically speak for itself. And I'm not sure that margin of victory is going to put them over the edge or not. I think it's whether or not the opportunity presents itself for Oregon to advance. Let's talk about Bo Nix because that has been one of the, um, I think, biggest surprises of the entire college football season. Not just that Bo Nix is having success, but the kind of success that he is having, um, especially coming off of Auburn. I think we all thought that he was a credible, you know, a credible option for Oregon mm-hmm. and you know, like, you know, could Oregon win nine, 10 games with, with Bo Nix? Sure. Uh, I don't know who saw him having this sort of, um, you know, just deluge season where he is now, I think generally seen as, you know, being one of the five contenders for the Heisman. Um, do you think he makes it to New York? Uh, yeah, I think there's a chance. I mean, the guy's got, uh, almost 2,500 passing yards and 22 touchdowns. And I think that anybody who watched Bo Nix play at Auburn, knew that they had a chance to get the dynamic Bo Nix. The problem is that there's always meltdown Bo Nix, and we haven't really seen that yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the hope for Oregon, obviously, is to continue to win and to have to keep putting up numbers. And, you know, I think that November is the most important month as it pertains to the Heisman race. And if he has a big-time game in Vegas, uh, if they go there, uh, I think you have a really good chance of him getting there, for sure. Isn't the um, the Heisman conversation sort of a mirror image of the of the playoff conversation in terms of what needs to happen um and and kind of who's blocking him out it just seems like you know if if the ducks win out and they win in you know it, 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 i know you're not a style points guy but they win in impressive fashion the whole way out and bo nix plays as well as he is they're probably they're 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 either in the playoff or they are you know the first loser of the playoff right they're the the first runner up and have a legitimate gripe and bo nix is probably in new york or or, you know, if they, but if he loses games, like, what, then what are we talking about? Yeah, because stats don't matter unless you win or lose. Right. So obviously the sexiness factor of, uh, you know, playing on a team that's very good is certainly a help, especially at the quarterback position. But like, if you want to go look at somebody who's got great stats, and what about Drake Bay at North Carolina? I mean, the guy's lighting up the scoreboard every week. North Carolina's a one point, uh, a one loss team. And I think he's got the best uh, offensive statistics in the country. So, you know, the, the way that I was taught to, vote for the Heisman bill. I don't know if you vote for it or not, but I was always taught uh, from the beginning to vote for the player that helps tell the story of the season. And if you can't tell the story of the season with that player, then they don't deserve to be in it. Now, I don't know for sure if that is uh, always the foolproof plan, Um, but winning is obviously part of that, right? So if Bo Nix goes out and continues to lead Oregon into the discussion and they puts up dynamic numbers and Oregon is a flashy, sexy team like Oregon often has been in the past, then you can't write the story of the yeah. season without him. So the hardest thing to me is how do you beat out a guy like CJ Stroud? How do you beat out a guy like Hendon Hooker right. who, um, you know, revived an entire program that nobody expected to win more than six games this year to beat Alabama. And those are all storylines to the season. And, um, that's always the tough thing. And I always look a little bit past stats that, you know, in scenarios like that. Yeah. And to me, it, it really is a question of whether or not he can get on, get on the stage in New York. I, because like, like you said, I don't think you can beat CJ Stroud and Hendon Hooker. Those guys have 
you know, have, have distanced themselves both in performance, team performance, um, you know, everything you said about telling the story of the season, which I think, by the way, is a great, um, which is a great way of looking at it. So I, I do, um, because so many Heisman I, voters I, just look at the stats and go, well, he's mm-hmm. got the best stats. I'm going to vote for him. It's like, it yeah. should be so much more than that. And it right. just irritates yeah. me that it autom- automatically has to be a quarterback. And then if it's not a quarterback, then it has to be an offensive player. And I think there's a lot like, why not the best player on the best unit on the best team? Yeah. Um, and Bo Nix is obviously going to be, you know, benefiting from the fact that he's a quarterback and plays in a high flying offense. So certainly think he could get on the stage. Well, I like to that argument. Let's 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 get an Oregon offensive lineman uh, on the stage in New York. Like, forget yeah. Bo Nix. None of this is happening without that offensive line, which has been just tremendous this year. Yeah. So uh, you've you've inspired me. Now I'm going to pivot from Bo Nix for Heisman to Alex Forsyth for Heisman. That's my that's that that's a that's a week's worth of content for me. Do you think that uh, what what uh, line position is he? He's the center. Do you think he plays center better than Bo Nix plays quarterback? Uh, for the sake of argument. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I covered a national championship Ohio State team. I think you can make the case that the best player at their position was their punter. Yeah. No. Remember I mean, that remember that punter from Alabama? That was like blasting yep. 70 yard bombs in yep. the college football playoff and reversing the field by 50 yards. You know, and I you know, I'm not gonna get crazy about it, but I just think that <laughs> you know, people lack imagination when it pertains well, to voting for this. Oregon thing. Oregon never punts. So I mean their 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 poor punter uh yeah. has, Good for has them. uh you know, despite despite a you know, they, they've actually had kind of a punting battle going on this year. There's been a lot of attention on it at practice, but um, really kind of for not because we rarely see it. But maybe it'll come up in a big moment over these final four games. Yeah. Uh, which does lead me, by the way, because you said something earlier that I think, again, of all the things that are going to make you persona non grata in Eugene, one of the things you said, and don't worry, I, I probably will be too for, for uh, yeah, don't. For I mean, I don't want you guys anything. to hate me. I just like, I, I'm just trying to be honest. <laughs> Like, I don't have an axe to grind. I like Oregon. It seems like an awesome place. I've been to Austin. It's one of the best stadiums. All the things I can say about, you know, nice things about your program. But, like, what do you want? Somebody to come on here and blow smoke up your ass about what could happen when it's not going to or just be honest? And, you know, maybe the answer is in the media these days, people would rather read and listen to things they already think than learn something new. And if that's the case, then I'll be your enemy. But I don't think, Bill, am I being irrational? No, and I think that's and you know what's what's interesting about it, Ari is, and and you know this, we worked together at the athletic for several yeah. years, um, but we worked in different wings of the building, so to speak. So this is probably the longest conversation you and I have had, but it's um, been a great one. <laughs> but um, you know, so I, I come from the NBA space, right? Like I've covered the yep. NBA for a decade. Like I, you know, I know the NBA pretty well, but like the CFP is still something I'm learning and learning to understand. And you know, even last night when. You know, after the CFP rankings came out and I'm thinking about Oregon, I'm thinking about their body of work. I'm thinking about the games ahead of them. I, I even tweeted, I was like, I don't see how if Oregon wins out and they, and they beat a, you know, hypothet- you know theoretically beat USC in, in, the, in the conference championship game, how they aren't in. And I think, and, and then I read your piece, right? And like, and it was a very like, to me, meticulous breakdown of why they wouldn't be in. And, and I think the thing that like, I've tried to remember and I, I think everyone needs to remember is there's a difference between being worthy of being in the CFP and actually being in one of those four spots. And that's why people have like clamored for expansion of the playoff. That's why there's going to be expansion of the playoff. You And and, and listen, in a couple of years when we have 12 teams, there'll be people, you know, we'll, we'll be having these same conversations about team number 13. You know what I mean? It'll be, you know, oh, how did they get left out at the 13th spot? But right now, you know, it was the same way in the BCS. It's the same way, you know, we, we have... Similar conversations every March with March Madness. Um, you know, it is a necessarily 
uh, subjective process. And there will always be one team that um, has a compelling argument and and doesn't make it. And it does feel like the odds are kind of trending um, toward that team being Oregon this year. And the thing I, w- I wanted to make sure I said on the show, and I haven't said it yet, is a lot of the comments on my Oregon story this week were, well, I guess the lesson of this is don't play the game then, right? right? And it's like, you know the college football playoff is to crown the national champion, right? right? Like this isn't – like we're trying to decide who the best, most excellent team is in the country. And your excuse is, well, maybe we shouldn't have played so we wouldn't have gotten our asses kicked. Mm-hmm. Like that's not – is that the spirit of crowning a national champion? Like I, I commend Oregon for scheduling that game. I commend Oregon for risking it. And the fact of the matter is is that – we found out what they most likely are this year, and it's not going to, uh, you know, sit well as we are here in November. And they haven't lost a game since. But you know, if they would have lost by ten, they might have been number two last week for all we know, yeah. or number three. But they didn't handle their business when they had an opportunity to do so. Maybe that's their fault, or maybe they just can't beat the team that's built the way that uh, Georgia is, which is basically a college pro bowl right. team, and that's the reality that we're in. So. Um, you know, nobody knows how the season's going to end. Teams lose weird games all the time. Part of the reason why I prefer the four-team playoff to the expanded playoff is the drama that we're going to get this month, and I'm excited to see how it pans out. I don't think Oregon is dead in the race. I just want people to be aware that it's going to be quite the steep, the steep climb up to the top. Well, and also I think that you know there is, um, y- you know, there is sort of the luck of the draw of how good these teams are when you play them, and obviously, you know the Georgia game is different from what, you know, Washington, Washington state, Oregon state did. But I mean, Washington state went out and scheduled Wisconsin and went to, and they, and they went and they went to camp Randall and won that game. But, you know, we mm-hmm. go on to learn that this was not a great Wisconsin team. Same with the Huskies yep. and Michigan state. I mean, that's a huge and win. They probably scheduled the Georgia game nine years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. And so the, and so I don't know when they did it, but they weren't Georgia yet when they did it, I bet. Right. And it wasn't, and, 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 you know, they could have put a, you know, a, a big 10 power on the schedule. And then all of a sudden it's, they could have put Penn state on the schedule and they would have gotten credit for it. And they might've won. They probably would have won that game. Right. Or they, or they could have done something like that. They thought was, uh, you know, a, a layup and, and scheduled uh, Kansas. And then all of a sudden had their hands full with, 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 yeah, the Kansas team. So, I mean, there is a, there, there is a little them. bit of yeah. um, a crapshoot element to, to scheduling. Um, but you know, if they played Boise State in the opener, like Oregon State did, you know, down down year for Boise State by their standards, um, you know, that looks okay on paper. And you know, we're talking about a team that's one or two in the country probably at this point. Um, yes. So I mean, it. But here's here's the thing though, the boogeyman will get you. Yeah. It might get you in the playoff, but it's going to get you. You want to know why? Because guess what? Oregon's going to have to play Georgia this year one way or the other. Yeah. And maybe it stinks for entertainment factors because. Uh, you want to enjoy the entire season and be a part of college football discourse and watch the show on Tuesday mm-hmm. nights and go into November Saturdays hoping your team can win a national championship. But, you know, Michigan had uh, the worst non-conference schedule I've ever seen in my entire life. Not worse life, than UCLA's. Right? Uh, go look at – I think Michigan played three of the four worst teams in college football this year. I think UConn um, – you go pull it up. It's it's a sight to behold. And I guess I, 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 now that I've mentioned it too, and we're just now we're just riffing. The, does UCLA's if UCLA were to to run the table and, and and win the conference championship, beat Oregon, get get revenge on Oregon in a conference championship? I guess at that point we don't care about their non conference schedule. In fact, they played yeah. Southern Alabama, Alabama State, and uh, 
and somebody else that was terrible. I can't even remember at this point. And they almost lost one of those too. Yeah, they, they almost lost to Alabama State. Like that came down to just the yeah. Michigan played Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. Yeah, those are, those are pretty bad. And, and and those are all like overmatched teams, but they're expe- they're especially bad this year too. Right. Um, Bowling but, Green, UCLA also had Bowling Green. But yeah, yeah. Take take solace in the fact that if Michigan they play Ohio State, which is a harder game than anybody else in the Pac-12 outside of Oregon mm-hmm. has played, and they win that game, then you know that they deserve to yep. go to the playoff. But if they lose that game, their time came just at a different time. Yeah. And if they beat Ohio State and get in and you say, well, they didn't play a, a non-conference schedule, they were lucky to avoid that, then they will play Georgia with everybody watching, and they will probably get their butts kicked. So like, you can't skirt it. So you know, you might say, ah, we shouldn't have scheduled them, but A, that's not a national championship attitude. And B, you're going to have to play them eventually, so why not play them then? Um, and I guess you might want to say, well, we want to. We'd rather make the playoff and lose in there. And okay, that's fine. But your your time in the sun is going to come if you're not built to win the championship. So just pick your poison, I guess. So the thing you said that I thought was going to make you persona non grata, if you can remember that far back in the conversation when I started this transition, <laughs> was that uh, Oregon would probably not win out, and. Um, Oh. And it is a tough schedule. So I want, so we've got, let's see here. Oregon plays Washington this Saturday. They host Utah next week. They go to Oregon State in two weeks, two days after Thanksgiving. And then there's a presumptive Pac 12 championship game against either USC or UCLA. Yes. That'd be a very hard four game stretch to win all of them. I agree. Which one is the most likely loss in your mind? So here's the thing like, I, I look at it from a gambling perspective. I don't know if I look at any single one of those games and say, you know what? I think Oregon is going to lose that one. Mm-hmm. What I look at is the the burden of the the cumulative, and I say, what are the likelihood that they win all four? And I think that the likelihood that they win all four is obviously much lower than picking them one by one. So I don't know when that's going to happen or if it's going to happen. Um, but they could lose to Oregon State. Mm-hmm. They they have in the recent past. They could lose to Washington this weekend, or they could lose to Utah. Because Utah's a very similar team to the one that they were a year ago, mm-hmm. right? They might be a little bit worse on the lines, but they, they beat up Oregon pretty good a year ago. So the fact of the matter is, is that I don't know I don't know if if I could just say, hey, they're gonna lose this weekend. But Oregon has had a tendency to to drop games they shouldn't um, in the past, and this is a tough schedule. Um, I think that there's a, probably a high likelihood that they're they're gonna slip up somewhere. And if they don't and they went out, then they have a harder uh, resume to, to look past when the time comes. And maybe they'll get lucky and teams in front of them will fall. Or, you know, Tennessee will be so let down after last week that they'll trip up against a team they shouldn't or, or whatever. College football is crazy and they may find their way in. Um, but it is a tough road ahead. And I don't know if, you know, if you had to flip a coin, lose one or win out, you'd probably just take the safe bet and say lose one because that's probably the more likely scenario. Is USC in your mind, the team that is most likely to be in if they win out? I think so, because USC has a coach with a uh, national pedigree that has gone to the playoff a few times. They have Caleb Williams, and they have Jordan Addison, and you know they are the sexiest team, I think, on paper in the conference. That said, their defense stinks. Um, and I don't think I would pick USC to beat Oregon. And they've been in the top 10 basically all year they have yeah, yeah. I, I i think that oregon like i said at the beginning i truly believe that oregon is the best team in the conference yeah 
So if I can, if I can extend an olive branch, <laughs> here it is. Don't hate me. I do. I really, really do. It's just sometimes the playoff scenarios is just getting a piece of crap on your plate, and, and you just got to accept yeah. it. And uh, I think this is one of those scenarios for them. All right, Ari. Well, thank you very much for uh, the insight and the thoughts. Uh, like I said before, he's got a piece up at the Athletic that is uh, relatively new. It's not his newest. He's got a, he's got a few more. But um, earlier this week, did write about Oregon's position in the playoff and why he thinks uh, it's bad for uh, bad feels strong, but why it's unfortunate for the Pac-12 and the yes. Pac-12's uh, playoff hopes that Oregon is pretty clearly the best team in the conference right now. So go read that um, and and support his work. Thank you. Thanks to Ari Wasserman for taking the time to join us today. Like I said, his piece at The Athletic is a real thought-provoking look at Oregon's chances of reaching the CFP. Maybe not exactly what Oregon fans want to hear, but does certainly lay out the case for why this is going to be an uphill climb and why that Georgia loss still matters so much despite the, the, the Ducks' dominance since week one. Thank you for listening to Sports by Northwest. Thank you for supporting the Oregonian and Oregon Live. I am Bill Oram. Our theme music is from Portland band Haystack Rock. We will be back next week with another episode of Sports by Northwest. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.